0: It's Christmas time, right? We got a like half woo from over here, and uh, a little more excitement coming from here. I just have to provoke the uh, the woos. So it is Christmas time here at the church. I I love the decorations. I love the parts of the season. So thankful for the senior high youth who uh, brought in the decorations and started the setup, and then Rachel McLean. Uh, who really championed uh, the setup and along with so many other volunteers that helped uh, during this week. So thankful for all of you who helped decorate the church and help it feel like Christmas. I also want to thank uh, Emily Van Dorpe and her mom who decorated the Union downtown. Uh, just so great to see that decorated and uh, and just a piece there in town. And so uh, thank you for them. Uh, let's see, who else? Thanks to the city of Marshall for decorating the downtown and the fountain, right? Yeah, that's good. Um, let's see who else, I'm on a, a roll here thanking people. Uh, thanks to my family for decorating my house. That's right, my house is decorated. So last week, Nick talked about how, how he asked the question of like, when does Christmas start for you? And, uh, and some of you are like, it's, it's full bore. Others you're like, ah. So years ago, like I'm the Grinch, Scrooge, grumble, complain kind of guy. For anyone who set up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, anyone with me? How many other Grinches and Scrooges are out there? Yep, that's right, we're, we're, a, we're a group here. So this year, what happened was uh, my daughter in uh, about mid-October started playing Christmas music around the house. It was very subtle. It was just this like, you know, like, all right, here we go, here we go, because they always want to decorate early. And so November 6th, November 6th, it became dark in my house. No, not really. Is November 6th, Christmas started in my house. We decorated the house. We barely made it past Halloween, and it became Christmas in my house. So, judge me. You can just get the judgments out right now. There you go. There it is. Yep, I see some head shaking there. I feel the love. Uh, but we uh, started decorating for Christmas. And really, the reason we started is that I said something like, we need more Christmas. And really what it was, was it's more hope and joy and peace and love. And our family was eager for that. Just like I imagine your family, you are eager for more hope and joy and peace and love. And so for the next four weeks as we walk through Advent, we're doing a series titled Expectations of a Child. Children have wonder, they have awe. So I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 2, the... It just seems to be a centerpiece passage at Christmas time. You're going to hear this probably a number of other times as we walk through this series. But I want to begin uh, this series with these words. And, uh, and so in Luke chapter 2, verse 1, we begin. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Corinius was governor of Syria and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, Judea, I'm sorry, to Bethlehem and to the town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, a time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no room available them. And so this season, we think of a child who was born so long ago. We think of one who God sent as hope, as joy, as peace, and as love, these themes of Advent that we'll walk through. And I started thinking about, as I mentioned, how I went from really this Scrooge Grinch character to being more open and desiring more this season. And I concluded really it was two different words. Is this the word nostalgia and also hope? I think it was both nostalgia and hope because the last two years have just been rough, right? In so many different ways. Each of us can name different elements and how some areas have improved, some have gotten worse, and you just have questions in a lot of other areas. It is extremely difficult navigating these times. And so what I think about is I, we decorate the house Think of the tree that goes up as my grandma's tree and, and thinking of the stockings that we hang and the memories that I have with my kids on Christmas morning. I think of the different times together as we were putting these up. It's this nostalgia element tapping into. And maybe for you, this season will include some special recipe that was your grandma's or you'll play some certain songs that mean, have certain meaning to you or you'll hang on your tree an ornament that was a family member's. Or you'll think about times with your kids or you'll embrace times that you had as a child yourself. We have these memories because we find relief in tradition. We look back with nostalgic heart and hope. We find something that's there. And nostalgia is defined as a sentimental longing or a wistful affection for the past. Typically, for a period of place with happy personal associations. Nick mentioned last week, it's a wonderful life for him. When he watches that movie, he said, Then it's Christmas. For you, it may be a number of other things. But at Christmas time, there's something special about Christmas through the eyes of a child there's wonder, and there's awe, and there's mystery, and there's excitement, and there's expectation. I think one of the great treasures of this season, one of the great gifts of this season is expectation. Is that often for children, it revolves around a gift, right? Yesterday, my son, we were in a store and he sat in front of uh, a gift that he really wants and he goes, one day you'll be mine. <laughs> he has expectation, right? And I love that about Christmas. I love that excitement, I love the hunger, I love just the unknown that we see through children's eyes. The excitement on Christmas Eve, when we gather for Christmas Eve service is there's just this energy from the children, knowing that Christmas is the next day. See, Christmas and Advent, it's a yearly reminder of anticipation. It's a yearly reminder that we think back of the expectancy that those before Jesus longed for Messiah to come, They looked forward with expectancy, knowing that a Messiah would come. And we too, in Advent, we have expectation. We look back thinking of what Jesus did, but we also look forward knowing that Jesus is coming again. And so Christmas is not just about nostalgia, it's also about hope. Hope is promise fulfilled. It is darkness overcome. Hope is confident expectation. Hope in human forms means different things, though. It means maybe like a wish, like I really wish this would happen. Or even being optimistic. Well, I have hope. But those are both based on human elements, on what other humans will do or what you can do and accomplish. Biblical hope is confident expectation in a God who never changes, in a God who made promises and fulfilled them and a God who is yet to fulfill all the promises that he made, that Jesus will return, that he's good. So today, I want us to look at Christmas this season through a child's eyes. And so today, as we think about Christmas, maybe you're like David, who's nine years old, and he said this about hope. He said, hope is the thing that makes you feel kind of good inside, sort of like you're gonna get a gift. And I love the words that he said there. And he said, sort of good inside. Because we look back with nostalgic feelings and love for the past, but we look forward going like, I feel kind of good. Like I'm putting my confidence in God and I feel sort of good. And there's like this gift coming. I don't know exactly what that gift may be on Christmas like a child, but something's coming. And I love this description of hope that we have in this season. So let us consider four elements of childlike hope as we begin this walk towards Christmas. First thing is that childlike hope is placed in someone else. As a child, and you think of children around you, you think of the dependence that they have upon parents or grandparents or teachers or coaches or bus drivers or whoever it may be. There is an utter dependence upon them for just about everything that they need. See, when they need something, and and when my son was talking about the gift that he wanted, he wasn't saying he could provide that. He was placing his hope in someone else that they would provide that. And this is the same thing when it comes to faith, is that we hope in a God who is the one that provides and sustains and gives. G.K. Chesterton said this. He said, as long as it, as long as matters, are really hopeful. Hope is a mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. And so what he's saying is that as long as you can do something about it, it's not really hope because you're actively doing it. But when we talk about biblical hope, it is this utter surrender of, I can't make this happen, but I know the one that can. And so I put my trust and my faith and my hope in God. So it's placed in someone else. Childlike hope also develops patience, maybe, right? Some of you might check out at this point. Been like, nope, I want nothing to do with patience. I'm going to solve it. I got it. No one really likes to wait. And rarely do we just say, hey, give, give me, just postpone it. Let's not deal with that now. But throughout scripture, it is, the word hope is, all over the Psalms and all over scripture. And really there's two key Hebrew words that are used. And those two words are yahal and also koval. And you see on the screen what they mean. To hope is to wait for and to wait. So in order to hope, it demands patience. It demands waiting. The Psalmist said it this way. said, wait for the Lord and be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. I love this. Is All right, we're gonna wait for the Lord. This is where strength and heart takes, grows. And then just in case we forgot why we're doing this, let's wait for the Lord again. Psalmist is reminding himself, wait for the Lord and reminding us because we expect good on the person and promises of God. Another psalmist said this, it said, Verse in, uh, sorry Psalm 42, why my soul are you downcast? He's talking to himself here, I love this. Why so disturbed within me? Maybe you're there. You're just like, yep, yeah, I'm downcast, I'm disturbed. It says, put your hope, wait in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. So if you're in this downcast, in this dark moment, in this disturbed reality, we're called to put our hope in God, meaning to wait. And while we wait, what do we do? We praise Him, we worship. Say, God, we trust you while we wait. We wait. Kids, they don't like to wait either. I mean, what's the number one question when you're going on a trip or on vacation, right? Are we there yet? How much longer? I love my ways feature on there, just on my screen. It says, you know, 92 minutes until arrival, right? So I'm just pointing at the screen when they're asking. Here it is. Or Christmas, how many days until Christmas? See, we know something's coming, but it demands patience. The third thing with childlike hope is that it encourages us. So if we've put our hope in someone else, if we've been developing patience, there's encouragement in that. Because again, we're not the one that has to make the results to have things happen. It is encouraging knowing that something is coming. Romans 5 says this, we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, there's not many of us that are like, I love perseverance, I love suffering because it's changing my character, so therefore I'm gonna hope and I'm gonna wait. But I love this, as we wait, as we move through these seasons of challenge, the next verse says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I Love that, hope does not put us to shame. So as we wait, we know there's good from God in whatever situation it is. We may not understand it. We may not get the answer we want, but we put our faith and our trust knowing that God is good. So childlike hope is placed in someone else. It develops patience and it encourages. And it also does one more thing is that it faces forward. It faces forward. See, with nostalgia, we look back at what was and the good memories and we honor what was done there but with hope we face forward, knowing that God is calling us forward from where we're at. So we think about nostalgia, and especially the Christmas season can be very difficult because you look back at the past and again, you think of your childhood or when your kids were little or when your loved one who has passed away, you think of the Christmases with them. And Thanksgiving and Christmas can be painful because we look back and we long for these realities. And we should honor them and we should have the memories and we should talk about those realities. But it's very easy to become stuck here and just say, I wish it was like this. I wish we could go back. And we become paralyzed in this reality of nostalgia and it turns from something that honors into something that traps. Biblical hope calls us forward. Biblical hope calls us toward the God, even if we're in darkness here. We look toward the God who's before us, leading and directing and calling us with this childlike hope and expectation that God is good. Another psalmist said this in Psalm 25 Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. The psalmist was was saying, show me and guide me and direct me with hope. Take me forward, move toward what God has called us in. There's nostalgia and hope, both are important. We need to move and face forward with hope. So if we were to go back to Luke chapter two, which I encourage you, if you still have Luke chapter two, we wanna read a little bit more. Luke chapter two, I, I appreciate how this is set up. It begins in verse one saying that in the days of Caesar Augustus, who was a real Roman emperor, he was supposed to be a symbol of salvation. Rome was supposed to be the saving power set in the real world here. They were really dominating just with suffering and oppression upon the people. And the people were weary and desperate and eager for change. And I'm confident in Luke chapter two, where this is set that there were people who were looking back saying, why can't it be the way it was? If only this had happened or this hadn't happened or I, I, I just, it, it's gotta go back to the way it was but there were also people who were looking ahead to a Messiah, longing for change. Again, honoring the past, remembering the past, but facing forward toward the future. This is what the prophet Micah and Isaiah were saying in their their words, where they talked about the coming Messiah being a shepherd, being strong, bringing security, peace, victory, light, joy, freedom, justice, righteousness, and salvation. They were talking about what was to come, not what was. So you may be in a place of hardship with health or relationships or jobs, decisions, emotional well-being, mental well-being, spiritual well-being, physical well-being, whatever it may be. You may be in this place and it just feels dark. You're like, I wish it was this. We're being called this season, reminded of the Savior. Let's look again at those and how they responded, whether in nostalgia or hope. Verse eight of Luke chapter two. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. God was doing something new. He was bringing about a new Advent, bringing about a hope for the people who were in darkness. And so this Christmas season, this Advent, as we begin to walk toward Christmas Day, I wanna encourage everyone, wherever you're at in life, whatever you're facing, whatever fears are ahead of you, whatever's behind you, that we would once again humble ourselves before the Lord and to walk with a childlike hope. We'll talk about a childlike joy and a childlike peace and a childlike love this season. That we put our hope in someone else being God above. That we wait for as eager as we may be for something to be done or over or get through or whatever it is that we wait trusting God. And that in that waiting, we are encouraged as followers. And with that waiting and with that encouragement, that we would face forward toward the Messiah, toward Jesus, who we honor, who we follow, and who we serve. Let's pray. Gracious God, merciful Father, Lord, there's no doubt that the last couple years have just been a mess. As it was mentioned in one of the baptism videos, just the chaos around. And Lord Jesus, in your supernatural ability, in your power, in your ways, through us, those who call you a Lord, who call you Savior, may we walk with this childlike hope. And Lord, as we walk with this childlike hope, may we embody that to those around us with our words and with our actions. God strengthen us in this day and in this place no matter what burdens we carry into this place. I thank you that you know us, that you've not forgotten us. Lord, you call us to yourself. And to today, we pause at celebrating the work that you've done in the life of Charlie and Ross and Alex God, many others who sit in this place. Lord, for that you've, they said yes to following you, that they know you as their Lord and Savior, and that their trust in you now and for eternity is sealed. Let me just pause in this moment. If there's anyone here or anyone watching online who's never put their trust and their faith in you, never confessed their sin before you, that they would do that here and now. Just that in your own words, God can hear your thoughts, he knows your heart, just in your own words. Tell him that here and today, you wanna walk in a childlike faith. That today, you're confessing that you're a sinner, that you've sinned, And then in your own words, that you would ask for forgiveness. Not only ask that you would receive the forgiveness that Jesus purchased on the cross when he gave his life for you, for me, and for all of humanity. As you receive that forgiveness, that you would thank God thank him for salvation, that you thank him for eternal life, that you just let him know that you want to follow after him with a childlike faith. And so, Lord, help each one of us, Lord, to walk in a childlike hope, God, knowing that you were good, Lord, that you keep your promises, and Lord, you meet us exactly where we're at. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray this in your strong and powerful name. Amen. As we've been um, moving through our last series, we've brought this tree back in. And if you're new um, or haven't been back, you may be wondering what this tree is. Uh, This tree is uh, a symbol. And what we've been doing is that if uh, someone makes a first-time confession to follow Jesus um, or has rededicated their life, we invite them to turn a bulb as a symbol of that rededication and, uh, and or that salvation. Um, ultimately, we'd love to have you be baptized as you saw today, uh, but that's just a symbol. So I uh, wanna ask, is there anyone who has recently rededicated their life to Christ or anyone who's made a first time commitment to Christ, whether that's today or in the last number of weeks or month that would like to turn a bulb? Alex. any of the bulbs and just turn it to a clockwise direction? That's right. Check you out. Excellent, Alex. Praise God. That's awesome. Anyone else? Bless you. We'll keep asking, so we'll keep lighting that tree up and giving God the glory. So let's give God the glory and uh, give God some praise here, and uh, we'll invite John to come forward.